Today on Ag News Daily. I don't, uh, and, and that's just because of the history of this report. Uh, generally, what we would expect is for the USDA to leave things unchanged from November. We do have the January, which is the January report's going to be quarterly stocks. Welcome, folks, to today's Hashtag Market Monday episode brought to you by the National Pork Board. Request your free on-farm sustainability report at porkcheckoff.org slash sustainability. We'll hear another message from them here coming up in just a little bit. But Ash and I tell you what, today is the first day back from Thanksgiving break. And I am a little off my game and I got to apologize for throwing you under the bus on Wednesday because I had a crazy week last week. I don't know that I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I left my full-time job at Trader PhD about a month ago to go back out on my own. And so I've got a couple of big clients that have had auctions and all sorts of things going on. So I was just swamped last week. So I threw you under the bus. So I apologize. It's totally okay, Delaney. I think that you and I have kind of switched positions here because last week you were pretty busy and I wasn't. This week, I'm pretty busy and it sounds like things are slowing back down for you. So I might have to be the one throwing you under the bus this week and get a little bit. That's totally okay. I'll allow it. Well, Delaney, I'm going to go ahead and just kick us into some news here because I have quite a bit of stories that I have been reading up on today. I think that the news, of course, was a bit dry last week, just heading into the holidays, but I say holidays, heading into Thanksgiving. So I think that uh, things are kind of ramping back up here after we've had a little bit of a break. So I'm going to go ahead and kick things off here because we were scheduled to see President Biden meet with CEOs of major realtors like Best Buy, Food Lion, Samsung, and a couple of other ones at the White House today to discuss how to move goods to shelves as the holiday shopping season is really upon us now. And of course, there have been a couple of supply chain issues that we've been seeing, and Biden has been trying to find the answers to some of those issues. And I think this is just another step in the process. But an interesting thing about this discussion, I think, is that they were pretty concerned about the Omicron coronavirus variant. And this is the first time that I'm really seeing any news about this variant. But it sounds like it's concerning just because, of course, as the virus mutates, it's becoming easier for people to spread the virus, um, a little bit more intense symptoms, those kinds of things. So sounds like they are, you know, growing more concerned about this variant and really how it's going to interact with people, um, the supply chain as we head into the holiday season. So that's going to be a big discussion point, I think, here moving forward. And from the sounds of it, this variant is really being spread through South Africa. Um, but I think it's only a matter of time before we see it continuously spread throughout, um, you know, not just the U.S., of course, but the globe here. So um, I believe President Biden was supposed to earlier today hear more about this from the White House COVID-19 response team on these developments. So a couple of different things here that I think we're going to be looking out for as the day goes on coming from the White House. Well, also coming from the White House, Ashton, was the official vaccination rate of USDA-related employees. According to the USDA, they said that their employees are at an 86.1% vaccination rate, which was 
among the lowest of the 15 different federal departments. So that's been one thing I know you and I have been talking a lot about, whether or not we see those folks get vaccinated or not. I think the ones in Washington, D.C. are probably up to. But, you know, sometimes a lot of folks out in rural America, they're not real keen to get that vaccine. And I didn't even mean to rhyme that, Ashton. But, um, you know, last week we saw at the end of the week there, markets were reacting to some COVID concerns, COVID flare-ups, potential new variants. So it's definitely not a headline that is going away anytime soon. Well, and just to kind of add to that, Delaney, the the COVID-19 story, the Chinese city of Swiffin, which lies on the border of Russia, says that they are going to suspend imports of some commodities by rail starting midnight on Monday to prevent potential transmission of coronavirus through goods. Of course, we've talked a ton about whether or not you can get coronavirus from you know surfaces of goods or foods or anything like that. But China is still kind of sticking by their claim. And they say that imports of non-containerized goods such as coal, fertilizer, non-gold mineral ore, and ag byproducts are going to be affected, as well as some others. But I thought it was particularly interesting that they are going to stop the imports of fertilizer just because of the state of the fertilizer industry right now. So I thought that that was particularly interesting. But this is just going to be a temporary control measure. There wasn't any reports on when they were going to stop this suspension and kind of ramp things back up here, but just another piece of the COVID-19 story, and I guess the fertilizer story as well. Yeah, it certainly sounds that way, Ashton, but I tell you what, one thing we need to talk to Brian Split about here coming up in just a few minutes for today's Hashtag Market Monday episode are markets. And of course, more specifically, I want to talk demand because USDA has inspected about 78 million bushels of soybeans for export shipment for the week ending November 25th, along with about 30 billion, excuse me, 30 million bushels of corn and 9.2 million bushels of wheat, which is a pretty considerable amount of exports. Soybean shipments totaled 776 million bushels marketing year to date, which does not count shipments for various reasons bypassed inspections. And so this does fall short of typical seasonal paces needed to hit USDA's 20 million bushel mark. So it's going to be interesting to see here how this demand picture shifts moving forward, because that really has been one of the key drivers here for markets has been demand. Well, Delaney, as we are heading into December here in a couple of days, kind of getting through the last weeks of 2021. According to Scott Brown, who is a economist for University of Missouri, the chances of Congress passing cattle market legislation by the end of the year are dwindling down. He says there's a lot to be done by the end of the year, and he was quoted as saying, finding time to work on this particular issue might also be difficult, just given everything that is on the plate. He told Brownfield Ag News that reauthorizing livestock mandatory reporting needs to take priority, especially as the cattle industry looks for increased price discovery. And then we also heard from Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley as he says that he wants to compromise legislation, the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, to be part of livestock mandatory reporting reauthorization. 
funding for LMR was included in the continuing resolution passed by Congress back in September, and it's set to expire on December 3rd of this year here just on Friday. So a lot of things to be done when it comes to this cattle market legislation. We've been following this story all year long. There's been a ton of moving parts. So I am not so sure that we're really going to see a whole lot of ending as we end 2021. Well, Ashton, it's interesting you had some cattle-related news here because I also did as well. I saw this article shared today by Mackenzie Johnston, who's been quite some time since we've had her on the podcast, and I won't get too much into her personal experience, but she's pretty open about the fact that she was fired from the Nebraska Cattlemen's Association after she posted an article on a separate organization's website talking about an opinion that she had about closing the borders to Brazilian beef imports. This was back in February of 2020. A couple of days later, she was officially let go of Nebraska Cattlemen's for her opinion article, but she posted an interesting article today that I thought folks may want to check out if they follow along with her and her blog, lonesomelands.com, because the National Cattlemen's Beef Association has officially called for Secretary Vilsack to immediately suspend all imports of fresh beef from Brazil to the United States after we've now seen two different mad cow disease, the human form, discovered in Brazil. And this is, of course, the nation's largest cattle organization, but they've been pretty hesitant to get involved up until this point. And so it's a really interesting article. I won't dive into it too much, but that big piece of news that you caught there is that the USDA has officially closed borders to Brazilian beef imports. And another component of that, which I hadn't realized, maybe some of our listeners had who pay close attention to that, but apparently at the end of 2020, JBS officially stepped out of being a member of the NCBA organization. So it's just a little interesting how those timelines all add up. JBS steps out of NCBA. Now NCBA is willing to go to Brazil or go to the administration and say, hey, Brazil's beef is not acceptable. A little bit fishy there maybe, but I don't know. You can read between the lines for yourself if you want. Well, Delaney, I know that Dawson had a conversation with NCBA talking about Brazil and really what's going on down there, which we'll feature later on um, in the month. So folks can tune back in for that. But that's really all the news that I had to share today. What about you? I had just one other quick piece of news here before we chat markets. ADM has announced plans to expand into plant-based alternatives and alternative protein markets or further expansion, I should say, on Monday as they are acquiring a new company. I'm going to butcher the name called Soya Protein, I think is how you pronounce it. And this is a European company specializing in specifically non-GMO soybean ingredients, which as we know, Europe is very big on pushing that. This is a Serbian-based company that exports to about 65 countries and offers a range of non-GMO vegetable proteins and ingredients for European customers. So the company said that they hope that this is a good move in the right direction and they are looking to the future as consumers are demanding alternatives to animal-based proteins. So interesting little piece of news there. Well, Delaney, I am ready to see how the markets ended today for our first Market Monday back. What do you say we hop into it? 
Well, Ashton, before we hop into the markets for today, I mentioned we'd hear another quick message from our sponsors today from the National Pork Board. And we're going to be chatting about their new free reports later this week on the podcast. But as a pig farmer, you know that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and the planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate. To measure and document your farm's sustainability efforts, National Pork Board encourages you to create a free on-farm sustainability report. These reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line. Request your free report at porkcheckoff.org sustainability. And as we hop over into the markets for today, Ash, and we saw a lot of red today, a lot of sell-off today, which we'll get Brian's take on here in just a moment. But December corn today down five and three quarter cents, closing at five eighty-one. The March down nine and a half cents, closing at five eighty-two and a quarter. Hopping over into the soybean pits today, we saw again weakness here as the January contract closed eleven and a quarter cents lower at twelve forty-one and a half. The March down eleven as well to close at twelve fifty-two. December wheat today, Chicago, I should say, down 18 cents on the day to close at 8.07.5. The March down 18 to close at 8.22 and a quarter. And hopping over into livestock, the December live cattle contract closed down $1.17.5 to end at 136.92.5. The February down $1.90, closing at 139.30. Feeder cattle were also lower today as the January contract shed $1.42.5 to close at 165.72.5. The March down $1.42.5, closing the day at 166.55. Lean hogs saw some mixed trade if you look out further into the deferreds, but the front month contracts were lower. December lean hogs down 80 cents today to close at 72.40. The February down 10 to close at 80.92 and a half. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures. December down 18 today to close at 18.14. The January down 26 to close at 18.38. Without further ado, Ashton, let's kick it over to our conversation with Brian Split. Well, folks, as promised, we are chatting today with Brian Split of agmarket.net. Brian, coming off of this holiday weekend, we really saw markets all across the grain and livestock take a nosedive today. What is going on? So we had uh, some vulnerabilities uh, uh, brought into the the ag sector last week uh, coming out of Thanksgiving, and that was due to the new COVID variant, uh, Omicron. And so uh, that day did some chart damage um, to soybeans and to wheat. Uh, Corn looked really good going home uh, to finish the week, but we gave those gains back. Uh, So corn uh, and natural gas were two of the markets that kind of bucked the trend on Friday. And uh, both of those markets gave back their gains from Friday and then some. And as you dive in specifically here to talking, I want to look at export sales because it feels like demand for a long time has really been pushing the envelope here. But we got some news today that USDA is behind pace, the pace needed to hit their targets. What do you make of that? Do you think the markets are going to chew through that news? Have they already chewed through that news? Well, so soybeans have been part of that discussion for a while. Um, new crop soybean sales not running at the pace that they need to be to hit the USDA target. And we've got a, a rather large 
um, South American soybean crop looming. And so that was something that made that, uh, that recovery in soybeans off the November WASDE report lows uh, feel really aggressive. You know, we had rallied over a dollar off of those lows. Uh, and, and simply because the, uh, the trade had priced in more bearishness than what the USDA gave us. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the export problem has gone away. And, uh, you know, we feel that the window that we have to make export sales, you know, continues to get tighter and tighter for the soybean crop. Now, corn has a little bit more time before we really get concerned about not meeting the pace there. Generally, this is soybean export season right now, and then we would transition to corn season in the new year. Uh, and, and we still have a lot of time for the uh, South American safrina corn crop to, well, it's got to get planted, first of all, uh, and, and then see how the weather goes. So if we do see La Nina become more of a hot button topic, um, that could definitely take the top end off of, off of the safrina corn crop when we eventually come to making that. But uh, right now, we're running out of time for a bullish story to develop on soybeans. Brian, it's hard to believe that uh, we already are looking ahead to next week's WASDE report. Do you think we're going to see any surprises in this December report? I don't. Uh, and, and that's just because of the history of this report. Um, you know, Generally, what we would expect is for the USDA to leave things unchanged from November. We do have the January, which is the January report is going to be quarterly stocks. It'll be the final production numbers. Uh, winter wheat seedings. And so we've got a lot of data that's going to be released on the January report. So typically, as we are in this time of year, the last report of the calendar year, uh, in, in general, we'll just leave everything unchanged, kick the can, uh, and then make the big adjustments in January. And Brian, you mentioned going back a question or two here that you thought we were kind of at the end here for getting any sort of bullish news to push markets higher. Elaborate on that for me. Um, I think what I said was that we are running out of time for a bullish story to develop for soybeans. Gotcha. Um, and that's mainly when we talk about the uh, the potential for a weather market to develop in Brazil. Uh, right now, overall, you do have a little bit of uh, of concern about root zone soil moisture in in southern Brazil, uh, Paraguay, Uruguay. But in the big picture, it looks like overall weather has been pretty good. The crop was planted early, so some of it will be available a little bit earlier than normal for export, potentially as, as soon as, as late December. Um, and so what that means is that without some kind of a South American weather story to develop, uh, it's hard to expect the Chinese to come in and start aggressively buying U.S. soybeans when we're going to have a fresh uh, Brazilian crop in online, and, and that crop is going to be a, a record crop. I think right now, you know, most estimates are uh, around 144, 145 million tons of soybeans. So that is what we're running out of time to to see a bullish story develop is is because of that looming South American crop. Uh, but again, corn has a little bit more time because that safrina corn crop is planted after the soybean harvest. Uh, and so we have a lot of time for weather to turn potentially hot and dry for that crop. And that's what happened last year. We had a good soybean crop in Brazil, and then the drought really took hold on the safrina corn crop and reduced the size of that crop substantially. So 
that would be my message is, is the window for, um, for Chinese soybean export purchases is tightening up. And uh, we're running out of time for that to develop a bullish South American weather story. And Brian, as you look at uh, corn to develop a bullish story here, are we just going to kind of chop sideways until we see the South American production head one way or the other? Well, we've got a few different things that uh, that the market is trading right now. Um, my general sense right now is that we are likely at the upper end of a rather large trading range in corn. Uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult to get March corn above six bucks. Uh, we've got a high that was made back in August on that August WASDA report of 599 and three quarters. And we made a high last week of 596 and three quarters. Uh, we're, we're still respecting the long-term downtrends from the contract highs made in May. And so uh, obviously without knowing whether the market's going to break out to the upside or not, I would continue to respect the resistance that's in place right now. Um, and especially with, you know, some of the outside market forces right now, the uh, energy values have come off their highs substantially. Uh, so that's going to be a, a headwind for, uh, for corn's ability to, to punch through resistance up here. So uh, right now, you know, I, I've got quite a bit of, of uh, short straddles in March corn in my book. Uh, a, a straddle is when you sell a call and a put at the same strike price, collecting the premium from both sides. And really what you're telling the market when you do that type of position is that you believe that the market will stay relatively sideways during that time frame. Uh, and so that's still how I'm positioned in, in general in corn is in those straddles. Uh, and I would, I would also point out that from a cash marketing perspective for corn, uh, you know, there really is not much carry available in the market. We saw the December to March spreads today as we go into delivery tighten up to where East to March only has about a penny and a half of carry. Uh, December to July, you know, only five and a half, six cents. That's not paying you to store your grain. So I think this is one of those scenarios where we don't know what's going to be coming down the road. There's no guarantees on what might happen with, with COVID. And, and it's not so much the variant that I'm concerned about. It's how the governments around the world are reacting to the variant. It seems like it's overblown compared to what we are, are hearing about the variant itself, which is that it is more transmissible, uh, but it is more mild. Um, so for, you know, world governments to go into further lockdown because of it, for the governor of New York to declare a state of emergency uh, preemptively before we even see cases go up, it seems like a, a major overreaction, but mm -hmm. that's, that's part of the issue. So I think when you, when you look at what we're looking at for corn, no carry uh, at the upper end of the trading range, strong basis. All these things may suggest that there's a bullish underlying fundamental case for corn, uh, but I think this is also an opportunity where if you have bushels that you are not going to store, or maybe your bushels are in town and they're going to start incurring storage fees, uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to price those bushels. And if you still want some kind of uh, ownership or, or participation, if the market does go up in the big picture on continued inflation or maybe the stocks end up tightened in January on the quarterly stock report. Uh, the lack of carry lets you go all the way out to July options and, and buy calls based on a, a futures price that is not much more than the price that you're getting uh, for what you're delivering today. 
Brian, as we wrap things up here, I wanted to chat weed a little bit too, because they've really been kind of pushing to be the leader in the grain complex today. Of course, they sold all lo- sold off with everything else, like you mentioned there, due to the uh, new COVID variant. But we also got some not so bullish news today coming out of Australia that they are intending or anticipating wheat production to be higher than what USDA anticipated in their last WASD report. How much is this weighing on the market today? Well, Delaney, considering that I think uh, you know part of that last leg higher was because of concerns about Australia and and because of how wet Australia is, uh, there's been concerns about the quality of the crop and whether that might uh, reduce the size of the crop. So, um, if Australia is saying that that's not the case, I, I think that would be reason to take back you know this last leg higher. And when you look at the technicals that we've seen develop over the last several sessions. Going into Thanksgiving, we had a new contract high, and then we closed on the lows that day. And then we gapped lower on Friday coming out of Thanksgiving uh, just to open higher last night, fill that gap, and then have another outside day down. So the technicals right now on wheat are telling us that we may have made a, a top on that market and we've got things turning lower. Fantastic. Brian, before I let you go, if folks want to pick your brain, chat markets with you a little bit more, how can they find you? You can call me directly, Delaney, at 815-665-0463. I can reach anybody at agmarket.net at 844-4-AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. And uh, check us out online at www.agmarket.net. Fantastic, Brian. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on with us again today and sharing your insight on the markets. Not a problem, Delaney. Always uh, happy to help. Thanks again there to Brian for coming on and chatting markets with us. I think the news of the new variant has a lot of people maybe shaken up a little bit. So the more that I look on social media, the more I see people talking about it. So not such great news coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday, but hopefully we have kind of gotten into the rhythm of preventative measures by now, Delaney, since we've been doing this for about two years. Absolutely. Yeah. It's hard to believe we have been too, Ashton, almost doing this for two years with no end in sight, really. No, I think it's absolutely crazy. And I saw a tweet earlier today talking about, I think it was the CEO of Pfizer saying that we might need to have COVID boosters or a COVID vaccine, you know, once a year to, you know, kind of like a flu flu shot um, every year as we kind of move along here. But I don't know if that's really going to be our future. I think there's a lot of uncertainty as we move forward here. But nonetheless, we are moving forward. So folks, if you want to keep tuning in to the Ag News Daily Podcast to stay abreast on what's going on in the ag industry, the COVID pandemic, and everything in between, tune in at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.